0: Hey friends, this is Mike from Theology and Mission Podcast. Welcome to 2022. Dave and I are excited this year because we're starting up the Theology and Mission Book Club. Once every three or four months, we're going to jump on a Zoom call. We want you to jump on it with us. And we'll all talk about a book that we've been reading over those previous few weeks. The first book that we're going to be doing our book club on is Brian Zahn's book, when everything's on fire. So look in the show notes. In March, we're gonna be jumping on a Zoom call for about an hour, hour and a half, and we're gonna talk about the book. Um, Yeah, Dave and I are just reading a lot and we wanna talk to people about what we're reading. So we've decided that the book club will be limited to the first 30 people that can sign up. And then after the March meeting, we'll do another book for the summer. Okay, friends. Looking forward to connecting with you more this year. Talk to you soon.
1: Here we are live at Northern Seminary. It's Theology and Mission Podcast 2022. Mike Moore, how are you? I'm great. How does it feel to be in the year 2022? The year of our Lord, 2022. That's right. You know, I got something I've been holding against you here for the last couple of weeks. I, oh. I really haven't felt led to tell you about it until right this moment. Perfect timing. And that is that your Pittsburgh Penguins are really getting me <laughs> mad. They're playing pretty well, huh? Uh, Mal- dude, they got two old guys, Crosby and Malkin, two old superstars. And I, and I don't know where they get the rest of these players, and they remain good. Those guys are older than Taves and Kane of the Blackhawks. <laughs> really aggravates
0: me. It, uh, it gives me hope. As a guy in his late 30s, I can still I'm compete praying, with the young guys. I'm praying that uh, the Lord will humble the Pittsburgh Penguins. <laughs> uh, so we have less
1: listeners now than we had at the start of this. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Well, uh, today's podcast, Theology and Mission podcast, where we tackle the issues of culture for Christ and his kingdom, using, by the way, or being theological. Yes. Uh, That's a totally made-up tagline. you got to get the old one from down in the old (laughs) studio so I can remember what it was.
0: No. (laughs) I I think this is kind of part of the show, is, (laughs) is you come up with a different tagline every
1: time. Yeah. Theology and Mission podcast. Um. Hey, uh, I uh, got a chance to drive all the way down to Florida to see my mom and my sister, and then drive all the way back. And for those of you who haven't figured that out, from Chicago to Florida, that's a long way. Yeah, what is that, 18 hours? 18 hours. I usually stop somewhere in Tennessee. And, okay. Uh you know, chill out mm-hmm. and watch a hockey game and then make go it to the waffle house <laughs> and go the next leg the next day but i had a chance to uh catch up on the podcast the rise and fall of mars hill. Yeah, he, here we are. We're like we're like 2 months late. <laughs> <laughs> 2 months. I feel like it's 2 years
0: late, you know what i'm saying? Oh, uh i also i finished it a little before you, but yeah, it it took me a while. Took me a while to get through it. But uh
1: you know excuse me for a second uh press the pause button. okay pause <laughs> okay that wasn't COVID, hopefully and uh, if it is i understand you're on a 90 day free hey, COVID. i'm good yeah I'm, I'm the safest person to be around yeah because he had it over christmas mm-hmm. ladies and gentlemen um but anyways uh yeah uh the rise and fall of mars hill podcast was this big sensation in the year 2021 it was a big sensation what was it one of the top three podcasts in the world yeah
0: one of my friends who works at ct told me it was in the top five consistently for a few months yeah insider info right there
1: so uh right from you know i'm not dissing christianity today but you know it hasn't been on the cutting edge for a while and here we go right to the top yeah good for them congratulations to christianity today but i've had several people text me have you got anything to say About the rise and fall of Mars Hill podcast, can you say something on the podcast, the theology and mission podcast, on the rise and fall of Mars Hill? Because I do think it is sort of, not sort of, I think it is a cultural event. Yes, indeed. Not just for the church. Speaking to the culture of evangelicalism, the Mm -hmm. culture of the churches of evangelicalism, and the way they're perceived by our culture, and the way they engage culture. Yeah. Fascinating study. Yeah. And you do have something to
0: say about it. And this is the time to say it. So you're going to get it all out right here, Wait, right now. Well,
1: why do you say I do have something to say about it?
0: Because <laughs> we're doing a podcast on it. Okay, of course, I have
1: something to say about it. You know, the first thing I want to get, I just want to riff on a few ideas here. <laughs> all right. On the podcast and see what you got to say. One is something I really was uh, surprised by was how brilliant... Mark Driscoll is yeah, and was. I mean, I was there. I wasn't there at at Mars Hill mm-hmm. in Seattle, but I was around the emergent conversation 20 years ago. Right. I got pulled in. I published this book, and I sort of got drafted mm-hmm. into the emergent conversation, uh, even though I'm probably not your, your emergent kind of guy. I don't dress very well, for one. That's a problem. <laughs> uh, but... Um, I don't recall him being, like, the way he could articulate theological issues and read profound texts well Mm -hmm. and then communicate them brilliantly, brilliantly, I mean, that came through (laughs) through all uh, 18 episodes, Uh, but I was surprised by that. I, I, I know why so many people were drawn to him. Were drawn to this man mm-hmm. because he helped explain, preach, and get to issues. And a lot of the issues—this is going to make, this is going to be a problem for—I'm going to get a lot of pushback on this. But okay. there were times when he was addressing really significant issues mm-hmm. and giving somewhat good answers in brilliant prose and communication. Yeah,
0: yeah, he had a, he had a certain gravitas uh, in a way of communicating and a way of drawing people in. I can understand why a lot of people were kind of taken up by him. And I, I do remember reading some things from him in the early 2000s. Um, you're actually the one who taught me how to read Driscoll um, from seminary. And I remember reading a few of his blog posts and being somewhat impressed with how he could um, read culture and do a, a quick study on what was happening, not just in Seattle, but in, in America at large. So, yeah, he's a, he's a skilled guy. No doubt about that.
1: Yeah, and and a lot of what I mean, if you if you look back in the archives and a lot of those toasts that I was doing on Driscoll back mm-hmm. in two thousand five, right. two thousand six, two thousand seven, on all those issues that came up in the podcast, uh, they they might be lost, but I don't think I was criticizing him in the same way I'm kind of criticizing the podcast now. Mm-hmm. Uh, that issues of power. And issues of theology were uh, not being addressed in the way Driscoll was doing church. Yeah. Um, but uh, having said that, I back then, I don't think I had any idea how brilliant the guy was. Hmm. So I apologize. I remember once when I got my Ph.D. and I graduated from Northwestern uh, with a Ph.D. in theology and ethics. And uh, uh, my neighbor sent me a card. Okay. And it had a smiley face on fun. front. And it said, congrats, graduate. And then I opened up the card and it said, I'm sorry for thinking you were stupid. <laughs> 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 I guess what I'm saying is I'm kind of sorry or apologetic. I didn't realize yeah. what a mind Driscoll was. But I don't want to go too far into that, cause that because there's a lot of things that happened here. Yes. Um, that that need to be addressed, but a second question: I, I I was struck by the lack. So, a lot of what Driscoll did was almost pornographic in nature. Hmm. Uh, a lot of the ways he talked about sex and, uh, and and women and the responsibilities of women in the bedroom to their husbands, yeah, uh, were treating women as. Uh, objects, right? treating women as uh, uh, there for the purpose of pleasing the man. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's almost a, uh, an excess misogyny, but also an accepted pornographic understanding that this is just natural, this is the way sex is, yeah. totally uncritiqued. Now, the podcast gives some critique, but I don't think the word misogyny came out in the podcast, did it? I, I don't remember it. <laughs> No. Was it episode four or five? Oh, I can't
0: remember. Um, that was addressing the, the misogynistic tendencies of Driscoll, but I don't think they ever used that word.
1: And so what, what I'm saying is, does this say something, and I'm going to ask you this question, Mike Moore. Does this say something about the way evangelicalism has become in the way it engages culture? So much uh, has been naturalized. Oh, this is mm-hmm. just the way sexuality yep, is. Yep, yep. Uh, when, when we're in sexual ethics, uh, one of the first things uh, we often do in the first class is we so, show some clips from uh, typical sitcoms. Sometimes it's from ten years ago. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's from as recently as five, six years, seven years ago. But but uh, I'm trying to stay contemporary. But uh, it, today's sitcoms are a little bit more aware of the way sex is scripted between right. men and women and the male gaze. Mm-hmm. And, and we'll look at some of these, uh, these um, clips in class, and then I'll ask, in what way does your church where mm-hmm. you grew up mm-hmm. critique this understanding of sex? Or does it critique uh, most of the time in class, my church doesn't critique. It just washes it over and says, don't do this until marriage. I think that's the, sec- the theology of sexuality that Driscoll is making explicit in his church and that this podcast made explicit. is mm-hmm. This is just natural the way sex happens. Men are, are treat women this way. Women are there for the men. This is just natural. Just don't do it until you're married. Mm-hmm. I think it's a huge flaw, obviously, but it needs to be yeah. called out the way I'm, I'm going to put it in one sentence. Yeah. The way evangelicalism naturalizes misogynist sexuality. Mm-hmm. Comments.
0: Wait, just to unpack for people who are listening, when you're saying naturalize, are you referring to kind of essentializing sex? gender.
1: Yeah, I mean it's a uh, it's it's a term that comes out of the study of ideology. Right. And what it means is uh, and, and if you read Judith Butler and kind of a post-structuralist uh, understanding of the way things happen, we naturalize. We 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 naturalize, oh, men are stronger than women. Yep. Men therefore are patriarchal in their authority over women. That's just the way things are. Yeah. yeah. Essence precedes existence. We naturalize it. Yeah. That's just the way things it, are. It's baked in, yeah. Uh, gender, which is a very culturally constructed reality, though that's just the way things are. But Have you ever been to other cultures? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, there okay. are not... They're not Orthodox if they're not not like this, because that's just the way things are. Right, And we naturalize, we have naturalized the romanticistic uh, understanding of sexuality uh, that has placed women in subservience to men.
0: Yeah, and I I think what's most horrific uh, from this podcast is the way that Scripture was used to endorse the male gaze the way that Scripture was used as a weapon to uh, encourage misogynistic tendencies and a patriarchal theology. You know, go ahead. Yeah. And, and yeah,
1: and so that's just another a way that naturalization happens. We look in Scripture for things that right. can be interpreted the way we see things. Right,
0: yeah. What was what was Driscoll's one uh, sermon, Ho, Ho, Ho? Do you... I don't remember. I, yeah, that was the name of one of his sermons um, around Christmas time, um, stating that you know the women that uh, were in Jesus's lineage were all prostitutes, um, which actually isn't even true. But you see Driscoll taking his um, theology that's misguided, misogynistic tendencies, and just baptizing it in scripture, and then using scripture as a way to
1: justify further justify the subjugation of women. Yeah. Yeah. And, and let's just understand naturalizing things has gone on through history to naturalize injustice. Oh, r- yeah. Race is... Obviously, racism is one. Oh, this is just the way things are. Mm-hmm. And it naturalizes an ideological construct that enables white persons to exploit black persons. Yes economically and otherwise so anyways uh, that's a that's something that i uh really learned and we need to learn again and again and again about the way church happens what are we naturalizing that is not of god Uh, the uh and i believe evangelicalism needs to take a good hard look at themselves in terms of the way they understand race in terms of the way they understand sexuality, gender. Uh, By the way, it plays both ways, left Mm -hmm. and right, affirming and not affirming. All that is playing on the idea of naturalization. Yes. Let's look at another issue. Okay. Uh, The issue of decontextualization. Oh, all right. You you know, you and I are big on contextual theology. Mm -hmm. Theology must be uh, worked out in a place that the gospel must be proclaimed in a place. That God is doing things to restore, renew creation in a place. That people are getting saved out of something into restoration yeah. with God, Jesus, uh, and and each other in a place. But there seems to be, over time, it struck me how um, uh, the podcast, Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, uh, illumined how... Uh, the Church became more and more decontextualized Mm. as it became bigger and bigger, and played into uh, media, played into celebrity, Mm -hmm. uh, into broadening its influence, and it lost, it became centered in a person, Mark Driscoll, not in Jesus Christ as manifest in his salvation in a place. And this manifested yeah. itself in video church, it manifested itself in how many clicks are getting per sermon. Yeah. Uh, it created a monster of a decontextualization enterprise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I mean,
0: th- I'm swimming a little out of my depth here, but I, I feel like this kind of connects to media ethics and technology. Um, but what i was struck by was the way that mars hill was one of the first churches to jump online with a forum and to do broadcast media to do satellite churches and when that happens um it place becomes arbitrary you can you can just watch it anywhere you can consume it from your from your couch or from your car and places no longer essential to the
1: gospel or important for for ministry yeah, yeah, and what we learn in contextual theology at Northern Seminary, especially in that methodological course in the doctor mm-hmm. doctor program doctoral program, sorry, not the doctor program. <laughs> uh, what we learn there from Willie Jennings is that colonialism happens when you go and you impose yourself on a place. You displace <laughs> sorry. people from a place, mm-hmm. and power starts to. Colonialist power over people starts to manifest itself yeah. as soon as you enter into that habit. Yeah, yeah. Can we as the Church of Jesus Christ realize we can't do that? We're so struggling for power and influence. This is social media today. Mm-hmm. We are extracting ourselves from place and trying to do Jesus over a medium that yeah. that we with people we don't even know, places we've never been. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I've been doing a lot of talking. Yeah, here, well,
0: yeah, there's a gap there. I wanted to fill it, but then I didn't didn't have anything to say. So I guess I'm filling it. Well, right now. that's rare,
1: <laughs> Mike. Well, oh, everybody over the ra- over the radio waves. I didn't right know now.
0: I didn't know we were going to do the decontextualization thing. So I didn't see that coming, but that's good. Well,
1: ladies and gentlemen, in, in case you didn't know, a lot of times on the on the show here. Mike Moore does not know what's coming mm-hmm. and that's what makes him so brilliant is he can respond to anything at any time with brilliance well it's and,
0: gr- it's growing me up in my ability to be trusting God in the, every moment
1: <laughs> <laughs> even on the podcast that's right um, okay so I'm getting down to my two main points okay let's do it my two main points in the podcast and we'd love to hear what you think about this just put a little note or a comment on on the page of the podcast. Did I say that right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, mm-hmm. put, uh, g- give us some comments, or write us uh, via the uh, Theology and Mission Mich- yeah. Facebook page. Tell Mike Moore how brilliant he is, <laughs> because he is. Uh, but uh, So two points, though. Uh, one is, I think what we learn from misogyny and decontextualization is there's an issue of power here mm-hmm. that I don't believe is addressed explicitly, in the podcast. No, not explicitly. And I want to say, so, so what I mean by power, as you know, and I'm writing a book on this, but I believe there's a big difference between worldly power, power over somebody else, a person over somebody else, a person over a group of people, an institution over another institution, Mm -hmm. that kind of power, worldly power versus godly power, the power that has been, uh, released in the person and work of Jesus Christ on the cross and the resurrection, which is power with, hmm. always presence, always invitation, never coercion, never violence, never over somebody. Yeah, yeah. Now I realize what I just said, and folks, maybe you just want to play that over again, hit the record, play <laughs> over. <laughs> that distinction between power. Over or worldly power and godly power, power with. I believe this is the big problem in the church today. And whenever power over gets a hold of somebody and somebody gets extracted Mm -hmm. and put in place over, I believe there's a corrupting force that if it's not managed and not kept on the rails, it goes off the rails. Yeah. And even worse, uh, it counteracts the power of God at work in Christ among a people Hmm. and those power dynamics became ugly in this podcast those power dynamics became ruthless yeah like throwing people under the bus right right we're gonna run people over everything in in the insatiable thirst for more power right uh and, and um i think until so so Point number one, I know we've been talking for probably 50 minutes. I don't know how long, but but I'm getting to the point. The misogyny issue, the decontextualization issue, yeah. I think it all points to the problem of power. And what happens when unchecked worldly power takes over our lives? It corrupts us. It makes us look at people like objects for our own purposes. It 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 enhances our own narcissism. It becomes all about me. We Mm -hmm. start taking credit for everything that happened. It was me. Yeah. And this is a root core problem in the church today in evangelicalism. And if we don't get to it, I think we're screwed.
0: Hmm. Would you say that people around Driscoll abdicated
1: their power, abdicated any responsibility? Well... Um, I mean, that's an interesting question. What, what, you know, I'm tempted to say, how would you answer that question? Having listened to the podcast? I would say,
0: I think there's a, well, I don't know if I can flesh this out. Is it, uh, I'm going to come out, come at it with a different question. Um,
1: would you say there's a difference between power and authority? Oh man. Now, now we're going to get deep in the weeds here. Okay. There is, there is authority of the gifts right. uh as inhabited by the by the power of the Holy Spirit. And yeah. that is godly power. Yeah. But I, there is authority right. given by men to authoritarians. Yes. By dictators. By uh, people who extract out of context and exercise yeah. their authority over people and glory in it. And that is a different kind of authority. So all I'm saying here is worldly power. I think evangelicals, and this is going to be something I'm going to be... Folks, if you're going to listen to the podcast, this is probably going to come up from time Mm to time because I'm working on a year-long book project on this, but I think evangelicalism has a theology which blurs the distinction between worldly power and the power of God and Christ. Right. And this is is a big problem, and this is what allows that uh, creeping... uh, of uh, narcissism and power mm-hmm. over mm-hmm. where mark driscoll becomes this god unto himself yeah and he's unchecked
0: yeah i would say both driscoll and the people around him abdicated godly authority in exchange for worldly power yeah
1: and it was very tempting and there were people who were pushing back who got pushed to the side again and again and again yes so, we do want to give credit for those people. A- absolutely. Trying to call out the mm-hmm. ungodly power, the worldly power that was being made evident in the decisions that were being made, the way the man was acting, and so forth. Uh, but this is not just a problem in Mark Driscoll and Mars Hill. Right. This is a problem. And I don't I don't want to mention all the churches oh, and yeah. all of the abuse, the spiritual abuse, sexual abuse, the abuse of money, the abuse of congregations. Two of which sit directly north of us, mm-hmm. in very large congregations. Right. Only five years ago, right, that are limping along now because of the abuses of power, yes, worldly
0: power, yes. Okay,
1: so I got one last point. How, how, okay, f- how much time do we have left?
0: You got uh, enough time to make one more
1: point. That was a, the, uh, uh, okay. Uh, don't know <laughs> I'm, smir- I'm smirking. That's why he's <laughs> <I> laughing. <laughs> well, um, I want to ask you this question. Okay. Okay. Cause I do think now, you know, all right, I'm just going to put it out there. I think there's a theological issue here. I think the problem of power is linked to the problem of theology. Mm-hmm. And the recurring theology that raises its ugly head. And there's a lot of people that are going to get mad at me. And you might want to turn the podcast off right now. <laughs> but the reform, the, the 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 restless reform, neo-Calvinist movement plays yep. out yep. here. John Piper, Tim Keller, Gospel Coalition, all mm-hmm. men mm-hmm. I you know I admire. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tim Keller, I respect, but there's a theology problem here, and it's connected to complementarianism. I don't want to, and it's Reformed theology, and I want to say, okay, so one of the reasons why I had to give up Reformed theology, whether it's in its classic Calvinist brand, its Kuyperian brand, or its kind of Baptistic evangelical brand, Mm -hmm. one reason I had to give up it up was because of the problem of power. You know, there's. uh, I'm probably going to get too far in the weeds here. Okay. But most of the people on this podcast know I got converted to being a neo Anabaptist, where there's a different power at work. There's a power of non violence, non coercion, the power of his presence at work in and among a people, Mm -hmm. where it's never power over. Like Jesus says, not so among you, Mark yeah. chapter 10, verse 42 to 45, but it's a power among, released through the gifts and the work of the Holy Spirit, never over, mm-hmm. but among. And that's a theological issue. And yeah. so I left Reformed theology behind for uh, a Neo-Anabaptist brand of that I've been working out through our friend Stanley Hauerwas and many mm-hmm. other uh, theologians, I think... Do you think the prominence of Reformed theology, not only, by the way, in this podcast and in the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, but also at Christian Today and elsewhere, is that what lies behind uh, the uh, subtle blurring of the problem of
0: power? Oh, man. I am ordained in the Christian Reformed Church, so you're
1: asking me to... I'm asking you to come out and make a statement. (laughs) Hold on a second. Just as I am with our... <laughs> uh,
0: So th- these are my thoughts. Um, yes, there can be a reform tendency to locate the source of ethics, the source of relationships in the created order. So this is where we get sphere sovereignty. This is where we get vocation. This reformed idea, That our relationships are rooted in creation. I remember there's a point in the podcast when Driscoll said, uh, The parents are the head of the children, the husband is the head of the wife, the pastor uh, oversees the church. And that gave Driscoll an established hierarchy where he could speak into people's life with unbridled power and essentially allow a business model of leadership take over a Christian cruciform model
1: of leadership. Right. And one of the big things of, of um, a lot of Reformed theology is the starting point in the creation story where yeah. you shall have dominion over right. creation. Of course, Anabaptists think, no, you're going to... Because there's two accounts of that you're gonna cultivate among creation as mm-hmm. stewards of creation on behalf of God with creation, not over creation. Right. Okay, but that is a big deal Yeah, in a lot of Reformed theology mm-hmm. as yeah, a starting point. And so we kind of have to end the podcast here, Mike Moore. <laughs> <laughs> Just when it's getting good. But the question is, uh, and, and, and I'm not, uh, please don't, Everybody, please come back for the next podcast, because we're going to flesh this out over the next year. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm not saying Reformed theology is all bad, but I think there's a possible linkage between Reformed theology and the problem of power that we need to take a closer look at. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. All right. And by the way, most of my Kuyperian Reformed friends agree with me on that. Yeah, uh, because most of them are in Canada, right? No, I'm talking about all my good uh, (laughs) Kyperian friends. I think they agree with me, but we will uh, at least see the problem and want to sort it out. So to all my good Reformed friends and to uh, everybody at Northern Seminary, uh, do we have any announcements before we close the podcast?
0: (laughs) Um, I think we do, but I'm just going to put them in the recording All right, at the
1: at the front of the the podcast. We're going to talk about our new book study. Uh, yes, uh, that we're gonna a book club that we're gonna start theology gonna mission book club. Yeah, it's gonna be awesome. All right, everybody. Well, that's it for our first podcast of 2022. We hope we yeah. haven't upset too many people uh especially our reformed friends uh, uh, it always it always amazes me how the uh the clicks and or friends or uh, uh-huh. uh number of followers go way down after we do a podcast yeah, like this yeah so. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the li- the listens go up but the follows go down how does that work <laughs> ladies and gentlemen it's been good to be with you please come back again give us a uh, give us a review if you're not yes. reformed and tell to say good things about <laughs> yeah, us. Even if you are reformed, give, give us an honest review. Yeah, because Mike Moore is reformed, by the way. That's right. Uh, but till then, we will see you next time. It's over and out. Mike Moore. And Dave Fitch.